Thank you so much. What a blessing. Amen. Come on, guys. Let's let her know we appreciate that. What a beautiful song. Amen. <clears throat> Anybody in here ever been dirty spiritually? Anybody in here ever been dirty spiritually? Say amen. Any of y'all been messed up? Anybody ever been messed up? Can I get an amen? Look at your neighbor and say, must be talking about you. Amen. Because we've been messed up. And I'm telling you, we have been dirty. Amen. But thank God for the precious blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? And thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. That was a beautiful, beautiful song. And I thank God for that. Well, are you ready? Can I get an Amen. I want to welcome everybody at the Eden campus. I want to welcome everybody at the River campus. I want to welcome everybody that's watching and listening online. And I want to welcome everybody that's listening on the radio. Do you have your Bible with you, everybody, today? Let's all stand up, lift it up. You know what to do with it. Here we go, guys. Say it like you love Jesus. Here we go. This is my Bible. It is trustworthy and true. Right now, my mind is alert, my heart is humble, and my spirit is teachable. I will listen, I will learn, and I will live the principles taught in this book. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, let's bow together and pray. Fathers, we bow before you today, God. We come before you, Father, and we just bow before you because you are God. And Lord, today, I pray, Lord, that you would take the powerful, eternal, immutable uh, word of God. And God, that you will speak to our hearts and our lives. And oh, God, today, I pray, Lord, that as we come into this building, that, Lord, we'll never, we'll leave here being changed, God, because we've been in your presence. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the men and women of God may be thoroughly furnished unto good works. Father, we are here today to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, we are here today to take your word and hide it in our heart so that we don't sin against you. Forever, oh God, your word is settled in heaven. And God, heaven and earth, may pass away, but your word will remain forever. And oh God, I pray today that you would allow me to preach today, not for a big name or reputation alone, but God, that Jesus Christ would be glorified in all that's said and done. And God, today, I'm so thankful that as I look out in this wonderful auditorium with all the people that have made a conscious decision to be here this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have the freedom to work and move among us. And Lord, if there be one here that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you before it's eternally too late. Father, for those that are looking for a church home, that today, Father as you lead them and guide them, that today may be this day, Lord, that they make Eden Westside their church home. And, oh, God, today, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that the altar will be open and active today. We give you praise and glory now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm ready to learn today, ready to learn it's a joy to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for coming to the house of God. You've got a lot of options to attend church, and I want to thank you for being right here at Eden Westside Baptist Church. Thank you for being with us. Today, I want to start with a profound statement, and I want to invite you to write this statement down. It's just really about two words, and that is this. Are you ready to write it down? Eternity matters. Eternity matters. Let's say that together. Eternity matters. One more time, everybody. Eternity matters. Now, we're living in a world today that when we look around us, we see that life somehow is just kind of sucking us in uh, to the vortex of society. 
And there's a lot of things going on in our world today. There's a lot of things happening in our world today. Uh, you would have to be a little bit oblivious not to look around you and realize that in America, uh, there's a lot of things that are happening and there's a lot of things that causes us a little bit of unrest when we look around our nation and our world today. And it seems like there is a great proclamation that's going out uh, from the nation today about lives that matter. And I want to let you know that every black life matters, every white life matters, every blue life matters, every yellow life matters, every Hispanic life matters, every Chinese life matters, every Russian life matters, every German life matters. Can I get an amen? And I believe that when we look there together today, that it's almost as if uh, we put a lot more value on the temporal than we do the eternal. And I want you to know that we are all precious in the eyes of God. God has created us in His image. Uh, we're creating the image of God. Doesn't matter whether we white, black, red, yellow, doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is God has created us body, soul, and spirit. And because of that, you need to listen to me today. Are you with me? Say amen. God has a bigger plan for your life than just time. Uh, that is, we're not created just for time, but we're created for eternity. And uh, I want you to know that eternity matters. And your life matters not only in the here and now, but your life matters in eternity. And I believe that if we're not careful, we'll put more value on the temporal than we do the eternal. Now, temporal lives matter, that's for sure. But I'm going to tell you something, my friend. Eternal life matters more. It's very important for us to stop and give consideration to that. Your life, listen to me closely, your life ought to matter to you. Uh, everybody's life ought to matter to you. Uh, we need to come to realize that your, matter, your life should matter and what happens in your life should matter. Your life should matter, and you may want to remember this, your life should matter because you're not an accident. That is, you are created in the image of God. You're not an accident. It's not an accident that you are alive right now. It's not an accident that you're living where you're living right now. It's not an accident that you're here this morning in this sanctuary. Uh, you're not here by happenstance. Uh, you're not here just be because. You're here because God has ordained you to be here today. If God didn't want you to be here today, my friend, he would have stopped you from coming. That is right now matters, but eternity matters. And your life, listen to me now, your life should matter because God, are you listening, absolutely loves you. God loves you with an eternal love. And God loves you, and not only does God love you, but God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life. Every single one of you sitting in here today, you're not an accident, your life matters, and God loves you. And God has a purpose for your life, and it's very important. Your life matters because other people love you, and other people care about your, you. Your life matters because this life is not a dress rehearsal. Unfortunately, so many people have taken the position in this life that life doesn't matter, that life stinks, that life doesn't have value. And because of this attitude and false conclusion, so many people are living a pointless life. They're just going through the motions. They're living life right now, listen, just to exist, just to make it from daylight to dark, just to make it from day to day. Listen to me, church. Your life has more value 
And there is more to your life than just making it from sunup to sundown. That is, God has created for you eternity. And, and there's a lot of people that go, well, you know what? Life is just pointless. It doesn't matter. And they're just kind of in the survival mode. They're just going from day to day to day to day. They're just going, waking up, trying to make it from sunup to sundown. They're just trying to exist. They're just in survivor mode. Let me ask you a question today if you're here and you're listening. Are you just trying to make it from day to day? Has the devil convinced you that your life is not valuable? Has the devil convinced you that the only thing there is to life is right now in the here and now? Well, my friend today, I want to give you good news. God has a bigger, better life for you. There is a bigger, better plan for your life. God wants you to live life and live it more abundantly. God wants you to have a fulfilled life, a life with purpose, a life with meaning. Don't be sucked into the vortex of this world that says, well, we're just going into survivor mode. So in a day, I want you to think about it for a minute. Now, we're going to look at the title in a moment, but not yet. Many times in the Bible, God asked us some very important questions. Now, I want you to listen to me. Lean in. Are you with me? Say amen. God asked, everybody say, God asked important questions. God asked important questions. He always does. I do not believe that God just asked questions to be asking them. I believe he asked questions because there's a purpose behind every question that God's asked. Let me give you some examples. For example, in the book of Genesis, God asked Adam this question. Where are you, Adam? Now, folks, listen to me. I think that all of you would agree that God did not ask Adam that question because God lost Adam. But I believe that God asked Adam that question because Adam lost God. I believe that God asked Adam, where are you? Because Adam needed to stop and ask himself that question. Where are you, Adam? If God were to walk into your life right now and ask you, where are you? What would you ask, answer him? How would you answer him? Where are you, Adam? God asked that question. And then God asked Cain. He asked Cain this question. Cain, where is your brother? Where's your brother, Cain? And that was an important question. And then Job asked this profound question. If a man dies, will he ever live again? That's a very important question. And then the Philippian jailer in the book of Acts in the New Testament asked this question. What have I got to do to be saved? How do I get eternal life? Is there anything I can do to be saved? And then Pilate asked the question, what do you want me to do with Jesus? This one who says that he's a, a, the Christ. And then if you flip all the way back in the book of James, James asked this question, are you ready? What is your life? Is it a vapor? It's just a vapor that just appears for a moment and then it vanishes away. And James was asking that question to get our attention. Don't you know that your life is a vapor and it just passes away? Uh, this week we had a service, a funeral service, for little Haley Lamphere uh, that went on to be with the Lord. And uh, we had our funeral service on, on Thursday. And what a blessing it was uh, to be able to come together with that family. But I walked to this sacred pulpit and I said this to a crowd of people that were here. Haley lived two years and eight months. And, and how many of you would agree with me that that is a quick life? But I'm going to tell you, listen to pastor. It doesn't matter whether you live two years and eight months or whether you live 20 years or 40 years or 60 years or 100 years. Everybody says the same thing. It went by quick. 
That is, life is going by just like that. And because life is going by just like that, your life matters. So today, I want to, as we look at all the questions asked in the Bible, and there's hundreds of them, I want to look at the title this morning, and it's simply this, A Question to Consider. Everybody say that together. A Question to Consider. Now, you need to remember this. Everybody needs to lean in and listen today because this is a question to consider. Open your Bible, if you would, to the book of Mark, the book of Mark in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Find the book of Mark. We're going to be studying there this morning. The book of Mark, chapter 8, and we're going to look there together. Mark, chapter 8. Are you there? Amen. Let's look there at verse number 36, and this I would ask that all of you would join with me in our reading this morning. Would you do it? Let's all read it together. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul? How many of you would agree with me? That's an important question, right? <clears throat> what shall it profit? Now circle that word profit. What's going to profit you if you gain the whole world? That is, you get to, you get to own everything. You get to have the whole world. All the buildings, all the, all the houses, you get to have all the money, you get to have any, I mean, think about it for a minute. When you think about the whole world, how many of you realize that means the whole world? Now, I want you to put your mind in gear this morning. Jesus asked this question, how, what good is it going to do you if you owned all the cars, all the trucks, all the motorcycles, all the boats? All the houses, all the land, all the cattle, all the money, anything in this world that this world has to offer you, if everything in this world belonged to you, what, would, what good would that do if you lose your soul? Now, now, there's a lot of people that are going out there today and they're trying to get, 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 get. I got to get that. I'm going to get that. And I'm going to try to make this happen and that happen. And there's a lot of people that are forfeiting uh, their walk with God, their faithfulness to the Lord, their attendance in the house of God, and it, the list goes on and on forever, simply because they're chasing something that's very temporary. So Jesus asked the question. He, he drives it home. He wants you to think about, and I want you to circle in that note right there, the word soul. Now, now that, that's an interesting word because when you study that together, you begin to realize that in the Bible, whenever we talk about the word soul, it can mean one of two things. It can mean your psychic, that is your mind, the capacity to think, the capacity to reason, the soulish part of man, the intellectual part, the part that we reason, make decisions with. Uh, the Bible tells us that we're made of body, soul, and spirit. And a lot of times when we talk about the term soul, it only relates to that which our mind has the capacity uh, to be able to comprehend. But in this passage of Scripture, uh, in the book of Mark, it goes beyond that. As a matter of fact, you may want to remember this. He's not talking about the temporal function of the mind, but he's talking about the eternal existence of the person. So when we think about the word soul here, uh, we realize that what Jesus is talking about, and this is important, he's talking about, listen, are you listening? He's talking about your breath. It, now listen, 
You remember in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God made man in his own image. In the image of God, God created him, both male and female. And the Bible says that God breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. Now, what that means in the book of Genesis is exactly what it means right in this verse when he says, what's going to profit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your, watch this now, write it down, you lose your eternal breath. You lose your eternal breath. That is, there is, you're created for eternity, not just for time. And what he's saying is this, if you don't make, you gotta, you got to make sure that you have your priorities in order because the world, watch this, the world, the devil, and the flesh is always trying to suck the eternal breath out of you. It's always trying to get you, and that's what Jesus is talking about. So, so today, I want us to talk about so basically what I've written down here, and I thought it was good, and I hope you'll enjoy it. I, I, I wrote down four teaching moments that I want you to pay attention to. Now, there's going to be four priority teaching moments, and there's going to be some subtitles under that, so y'all don't get all excited when you're going, well, Brother Jackie, you just got four things to tell us. No, I've got four major points with a lot of subpoints under it, all right? So y'all hang with me today, and let's listen to this. First of all, Jesus uses this passage of Scripture as a teaching moment about your life challenge. Every one of us, when we look at our life, we have a challenge, don't we? We have a challenge in life, and I love the way Jesus just cuts right to the chase, gets right to the point, and if you'll notice in verse number 34 of chapter 8, this is what he says. He says, And when he called the people unto him, and his disciples also, he said unto them. Now before we move into what he said, I want you to remember this. What that really means is he brought them to him in order to teach them. In other words, he's calling all the people together and he's getting his disciples together and it's almost there at that place. He's turning that place into a ginormous eternal classroom and he brings them in and he's going to teach them. Now notice what he says in the latter part of verse number 34. Let's read it together. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Come on now, take up his cross and follow me. Now, right there, leave that on that screen right there because when you look at that teaching moment, Jesus tells them four very important things about your life challenge. Now, everybody here, doesn't matter whether you're old or young, uh, you've got to lean in and listen to this because this is the master teacher that's bringing them together and saying, you know what, watch this. I want to teach you something important. And in doing that, it's profound to me that he says some very important things. Whosoever, that means you and me, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter how much money you've got, doesn't matter how good you've been or how bad you've been, he says, you know what, whosoever, doesn't matter who it may be. Are you, are you here today and you're one of the whosoever's? Can I get an amen? He says, whosoever, that is you, me, them, him, her, doesn't matter, Black, white, red, yellow, doesn't matter who it may be. Rich, poor, doesn't matter. Fat, skinny, pretty ugly, doesn't matter. Whether you've got, doesn't matter who you are, whosoever you are. So what you've got to realize is this. He's talking to you, all right? 
He's talking to you. Not your neighbor, not your husband, not your wife. He's talking directly to you. And he gives us four challenges in this. First of all, he says, I'm going to give you a challenge of direction. Direction. There's a lot of people that don't have good direction today. And notice what he says there in that verse. And you don't have to go back. Not going to be on the screen. But in the challenge of direction, he says, whosoever will come after me. Underline that in your Bible. My friend, that is absolute direction. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the modernists or the liberals or the conservatives or whatever. Every man, woman, boy, and girl must make a personal, definite, conclusive decision. Either you're following Jesus or you're not. There is no middle ground. The direction of destiny, that direction that he's given us, is me. He says, whosoever shall come after me. Now, your life direction challenge is not about a philosophy. It's not religionology. It's not psychology. No, the challenge of your direction, can I say it and say it profoundly, is none other than Jesus Christ himself. He says, listen, if you're going to get your life together, if you're going to have a life that matters, a life that counts, a life that is valuable, look, watch this. You've got to set your sights on me. You've got to do it. You've got you you to get after me. Whosoever shall come after me. Putting Jesus in a common column, which we do today, is a, is a vital mistake to everybody's life. Can I tell you this? Jesus is not one of many options. He is the only real choice. Can I get an amen? He's not one that we just choose among many. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not about Scientology. It's not about pantheism. It's not about Hinduism. It's not about creationism. It's not about Buddhism. It's not about Islam. It's not about Judaism. It's not about polytheism. It's not about atheism. It's not about uh, humanism. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not about that. We don't get the choice to pick one out that suits our fancy. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except they come through him. Can we give him praise? He is worthy of that today. And I'm telling you, Jesus says, you've got to come after me. Let me ask you a question. Is that what you're doing? Are you coming after him with everything you've got, every bit of energy, all of your heart? Have you sold out to him? Listen, we're living in a world today to where our country, listen to me, our country is trying to define our religious freedom by putting Jesus out of our country and everything else in our country. Ladies and gentlemen, America is making a fatal decision. Listen, it's not about just opening it up for everybody to choose their own way. There is only one way, and Jesus said, you've got to come after me. Not religion, not programs, not stuff, not things, not symbols, not history, not current, the modern times of today. None of that stuff. Jesus defines the challenge of our direction, and he says, whosoever 
has got to come after me. How many of you are thankful today that you chose him? Can I get an amen? I chose him. Say, I chose him. I chose him. That is the way of life. Now, not only does he give you a challenge of direction, but he gives you a challenge of denial. And boy, this is important. You need to write it down. He says, whosoever shall come after me, let him do what? Come on now, say what? He says what? Let him deny himself. Underline it in your Bible. The challenge of denial. Now, folks, listen. This is where the rubber meets the road. You've got to deny yourself. Now, watch this. Write it down. I, I'm, I looked at this. I studied it. And this is important. I wanted to know, what does that mean? What does it mean when he says deny yourself? Now, this is going to go against the grain of a lot of people. But I'm not here to, I'm not here to rub your feathers down. I'm here to ruffle them up. Can I get an amen? Now, watch this. Write it down. It means that you say no to yourself. Wow. You say no to yourself. In other words, you don't let self master you, but rather you let the Spirit of God master yourself. Watch this. Deny yourself. How many of you would agree with me? In our world today, that goes against the grain of everything that we believe. Deny ourselves. You know what? Listen. You know why churches are not filled up in America? You know why people are in You know why? Listen. You know why? Because we don't know how to deny ourselves. We pay more attention to ourselves than we do God. We pay more attention to our own needs than we do worship of God. We pay more attention to things that this world has to offer than we do God. Watch this. you got to deny yourself. There'll come a time in your life where every man, woman, boy, girl has got to make, and write this in, you got to make a lordship decision. Who's going to be the Lord of your life? Who's going to sit on the throne of your life? Who's going to be the boss of your life? Who's going to be in control? Is it going to be you or God? Is it going to be you or Jesus? Every person has to make a lordship decision. And Jesus says, if you're going to get direction in your life, you've got to deny yourself. Now, the third thing, quickly, write it down. He says you've got to have a challenge of de dedication. Not just a challenge of direction and not just a challenge of denial, but a challenge of dedication. Look what he says. Whosoever, therefore, will come after me, let him deny himself and do what? Take up his cross. Take up his cross. Now, the people of Jesus' day knew exactly what he was talking about. He knew exactly what he was talking They knew exactly what he was talking about. You know why? Because they had seen people crucified over and over and over and over again. They had seen people that had died on the cross multiple times. Now, when we take think about people dying on the cross, listen, that was a common practice of Roman torture of the day. That is, they would take people and nail them to the cross. Now, now listen to me. The different people say, well, now wait a minute, Brother Jackie. I thought Jesus died on the cross, and he did. But what makes Jesus different than all the others that died on the cross? He rose again from the death, Amen. Everybody else that died on the cross died. But Jesus came alive the third day. And that makes all the difference in the world. But when Jesus was saying, okay, this is what you got to do. You got to deny yourself. 
You've got to take up your cross, and you've got to follow me. Now listen, taking up that cross. They knew. They meant, that meant they had to lay down their life. Have you done that? Have you laid down your life for Jesus? Have you denied yourself? Have you put him first in your life? Have you said, God, I'm going to make you Lord of my life? Have you said inside of your spirit, nothing else is going to come before him? He's going to be the Lord of my life, and I'm going to surrender him. That's what we have to do. And then Jesus says, it's a challenge of determination. You know what you got to do? You got to pick up your cross, watch this, and follow me. You got to follow Christ. I'm going to prophetically say a word that I think is right on target today. There's going to come a time very soon, and I believe this, to where all these casual decisions are not going to cut it any longer. I believe that we are rapidly approaching a time in America that you're going to have to make a decision, are you in or are you out? This halfway in, halfway out stuff is going to be out the door because you know what? I believe it's coming quickly that you're going to have to make a decision, are you willing to die for Jesus? I believe it's going to happen in America. And you need to make a decision today. I'm going to make a challenge of determination. Follow me. And that's important. That means to follow me with zeal and energy and commitment and devotion and dedication. That's what you've got to do. And Jesus says, I'm going to teach you about your life. Whosoever, therefore, will take up his cross and deny himself and follow me. That's very important. Can I get an amen? And then I want you to notice number two quickly. A teaching moment about your life exchange. Now, if you're going to have life in Christ, you've got to have a life challenge. And that challenge is you've got to deny yourself. You've got to get dedicated. You've got to get devoted. You've got to have determination. All of that's part of it. But, oh, my friend, there is a thing called a life exchange. Notice what he says in verse 35. Powerful. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. If you're trying to get your life back and you're trying to do it without God, you know what you're going to do. Watch this. You're going to lose it. In other words, it adds up to nothing, no value whatsoever. And then he goes on and says, But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same will save it. This is what the world's doing. They're trying to hold on to their life. They're trying to hold on to it. And God is saying, no, watch this. You don't need to hold on to your life. You need to let go of your life. You need to give me your life. Because if you try to keep it, you're going to lose it. You, you can't keep your life. And there's so many people that that's the way they're living their life. They're living their life independently, independent away from God. They think they can get a life by doing whatever they want to do, by climbing the ladder of success, by having money, by getting things, by acquiring possessions and all that stuff. And God is saying, you know what? You're just going to lose it. You're not going to get a life. You're going to lose your life because you're created for eternity, not just for time. And God gives them a challenge. If you'll give me your life, watch this. If you'll give me your life, I'll give you life. But if you're going to keep your life, you're going to lose your life. Folks, that's a no-brainer. That's what Jesus says. Now watch. A teaching moment about your value of your life. Now this is one I want to get to because this is powerful. 
Verse number 36, Jesus says, For what shall it profit a man or a woman? That is the generic term meaning humanity. What's it going to profit you if you gain the what? Whole world and lose your soul. Now, the next verse is powerful. He says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, are you ready? There's a couple things I want us to think about today with that because this is where we get down to where people have to make a decision. Now, the first thing I want us to look at is what we call an unrealistic expectation. Jesus says, what's it going to profit a man if he gains the whole world? Well, first of all, that's an unrealistic expectation. How many of you know that no matter who you are, you can't get the whole world? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Let me tell you this. Watch this. You don't have the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hand. So you can't own what already belongs to somebody else, and he already owns it. So it's an unrealistic expectation. Solomon in all of his glory said this. Now, there's a lot of people out there staying away from God, staying away from church, staying away from commitment, putting everything else first, prioritizing their life in the wrong way, chasing the silly dreams, chasing the vapors, not doing really what they ought to do. And, and the more they get, the more they lose. And this is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Watch this. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is never satisfied with seeing, and the ear is never filled with the hearing. You know what that means? If you're just living your life for the world, the more you get, the more you want. You get this, you want that. You, get, you acquire this, you want something else. You, you, you get this toy, you want another toy. You get this achievement, you want another achievement. In other words, what he's saying is, you'll never fill up the greediness of your eye. And you'll never fill up the emptiness of your ears. You're, you're just going to be chasing your tail all your life. You're going to be going in, in circles and people go, well, I'm here to chase the American dream. Well, you, you chase it and you get after it and you leave God out of it and the dream turns into a nightmare. Can I get an amen? Because you'll never get enough stuff. You'll never get that. Now watch this. The next verse says, He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with what? Silver. And he that loves abundance with increase, this also is vanity. You know what it means? Watch this. Y'all need to write this down. This is deep theology. The more stuff you get, the more stuff you want. The more stuff you have, the more of you the stuff has. And then you die. And they sell it in the yard sale. And then it's over. And you go, well, okay, wow. I got this. I acquired that. Got this. Got that. And guess what? I can't own it all anyway. It's an unrealistic expectation. But watch this. What shall it profit? Not only is it an unrealistic expectation, but it's an unrealistic profit. Now, I want you to do me a favor today. Open your Bible one book over to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 12. Notice what it says. Now, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with getting after life, nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. 
as long as stuff don't have you. There's nothing wrong with acquiring wealth as long as wealth doesn't acquire you. Very important. Now, look at Luke chapter 12. Are you there? Let's look at verse number 16. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, Come on now, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to put, put my stuff. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns and there, will be, there I'll bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for how long? Many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, you got stuff and you got stuff and you got stuff. Look at verse 20. Don't miss it. But God said, underline your Bible, but God said unto him, You fool, tonight your soul's going to be required of you. Then who shall all these things be which you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Can you imagine that? Living your whole life, you get stuff, you get abundance, you get things, and you got so much stuff you don't know what to do with. And you just got, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And you go, man, uh, you know what? What am I going to do with all my stuff? What am I going to do with it? Oh, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have some plans. I got this plan. I got that plan. I got this. I got this dream. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And you chase all that all your life. And you get yourself, you know, you, you get yourself prepared and ready. And, man, you're just after it. And then all of a sudden God says, well, tonight you're going to die. Tonight you're going to die. Now, you forgot God. You hadn't been faithful. You don't attend church, you don't give your life, you don't tithe, you don't do what you ought to do. You, 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 you miss all this stuff. And you're trying to chase this, this thing. And God goes, you know what? You're going to die tonight. Watch this. Then whose will all this stuff be? Who's going to get your stuff when you're gone? And by the way, you chase the stuff and the stuff will not sustain you in eternity. You, in other words, write it down. You missed the boat. <laughs> you missed the point. Now your life's over. Now your life's over. It's, it's an unrealistic profit. In other words, stuff don't matter if God's left out of your life. Stuff doesn't matter if you miss the point of God. You, you got to get your priorities right. And then notice the next one. Remember, the bargain is for your soul. The bargain's for your soul. In Mark 8, 37, Jesus said, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's a lot of people that are selling out real cheap. There's a lot of people that are chasing the wrong stuff. And he says, you know what? What are you going to do with your soul now? What are you going to do about eternity? Now listen carefully. There is a teaching moment about your life accountability because every one of us are going to be accountable to God one day. We're going to stand before God, every one of us. We're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account of our life. What would you do with your life you had? What would you do with your life? Now watch this. There's nothing wrong with working and trying to be successful and trying to uh, chase your dream. There's nothing wrong with 
doing good things in life and enjoying this world that God. But listen, if you do all that and you leave God completely out of it and you don't put him first, there will come a time when every knee will bow to him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. In other words, watch this. You're not just going to go off out there in oblivion. You're going to stand before God. And look what Mark 8, 38 says. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also the Son of Man shall be ashamed when, not if, when he comes in the glory of his Father with his angels. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen? God's not dead. He's surely alive. And you will stand before him one day. And you will give an account of your life. What'd you do with it? What'd you do with your life? Did you put him first? Now watch this. We'll give you the bottom line and then I'm going to talk to you a minute. Nothing in this world is worth selling your soul for. There is nothing in this world worth, let's say that together. Everybody say it. I'm going to leave it up there because I know y'all want to fill out all the blanks. Say it. Nothing in this world is worth selling your soul for. Say it again, everybody. Nothing in this world is worth selling your soul for. Now, I want you to listen to me. Are you listening? Listen to this profound statement. You need to lean in and listen to me because I know what some of you are thinking. He's about to wrap up. I'm, I'm going to close my Bible. I'm getting out of here. No, you're not. Not yet. This is a profound statement. Are you listening? Nothing in this world is worth selling your soul for. Now, I know that we're living in a world today to where things have changed. I know that. I know that. I get that. I meet people all the time. And I talk, I, you know, I'm a little bit uh, reserved. I have a hard time talking to people. And, uh, but I force myself to get out of my box every now and then. I try to talk to people. I talk to people everywhere I go. Hey, what's your name? Well, my name's Mary. My name's Tom. Well, I ask this question to a lot of people. What are you famous for? You know, I like asking that question. Denise and I will go out to dinner and uh, the waitress will come around. Hi, what's your name? Well, my name's Mary. Well, Mary, what are you famous for? And do you want to take a shot at the answer I get over and over and over again to that question? Say it. I'm not famous for nothing. Oh, really? You're not famous for anything? Oh, no, I'm not famous for anything. Well, Mary, are you sure? I could have sworn that I saw you on American Idol. You were not that girl. Oh, no, I wasn't that girl. I could have sworn I saw you, Tom. I could have sworn you were that. No, I wasn't there. You mean to tell me you're not famous for anything? Nope. Oh, come on now. Surely dig deep. Dig down deep. Dig down deep right here. What are you famous for? I'm not famous for anything. Well, sure you are. No, I'm not. Well, Mary, what are you planning to do with your life? Well, I'm doing this, doing that, chasing this, getting this, doing that, doing that. 
Well, what do you hope to one day be famous for? Watch this. I don't know. So you're not famous for anything. You don't know what you're going to be famous. No, no. You know what? As weird as that sounds, that sads me. Because there are people that are just chasing their tails and they're just going in circles and they're not famous for anything. And they don't really think they'll ever be famous for anything. Oh, really? Yep. I'm just going to chase my tail to the day I die. Well, what happens after you die? Well, I don't know. I'll come back as a, maybe I'll evolve into something. Maybe I'll have a second shot at this life. Maybe, maybe if I do good, I'll get a pass and I'll get to come back. You know, the reincarnation thing. Well, what are you going to come back as? You think you'll be famous in that life? Well, I don't know. Well, you think you'll come back as, a, as what? What are, you, what are you looking for? What are you, what's your ambition? Well, I don't know. And by the way, if you could classify whatever it is you want to be famous for, uh, what would it be? I don't know. And people, watch this. People are just going in circles. And this is what's happening. People are leaving God entirely out of their life. And they're chasing a dream they don't even know what they're chasing. And they're living their life for the temporary gain rather than the eternal success. And they're chasing this dream out there that's going to, that, watch this. It's going to disappear in a vapor, just like that. Then who shall all your stuff be? Let's just assume that, that you lead God out of your life. You do, you do what you want to do. Let's just assume you got your big house, big car, property on the lake, whatever. And then God says to you, oh, by the way, tonight you're checking out of here. Because it's appointed unto man once to die. Every single man, woman, boy and girl in the sound of my voice watch this you are here temporarily you're going to be in eternity permanently now nothing wrong with going to work on Monday nothing wrong with doing all that stuff but are you leaving God out of your life and I talk to people all the time today and I say okay um do you go to church anywhere? Well, no, I can't. I work all the time. Oh, really? You work all the time. That's what you do. You work all the time. Yeah, I do. Well, what about Sunday morning at 8 o'clock? We have service on 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. Can you make it then? No, I'm working. How about 11 o'clock on Sunday morning? No, I can't make it then. I'm working. Well, what about 6 o'clock on Sunday night? No, I can't make it then. You mean to tell me they work you from 8 o'clock all the way through 6 o'clock? Can you make it? Oh, well, not really. I don't work on Sunday night. Well, you can come on Sunday night. Why don't you come on Sunday night to church? Well, I got things to do, place to go, and people to meet. Oh, really? Well, what about Wednesday night Bible study? Can you make it Wednesday night Bible study? Well, no, I got things to do. I'm flat out, honestly, I'm just too busy. Or I'm too tired. Or I'm too preoccupied. Watch this. I told somebody the other day, I said, you know what? I've been a pastor for a long time. I've stood at the bedside of a lot of dying people. And I, till, I have till yet to hear one person that's about to check out of this life look at me on their deathbed. And I've never had anybody say this to me. Boy, I wished I hadn't served God as much as I did. I wished I hadn't been at church as often as I was. But I've had multitudes of them go, I wished I'd have gave God more of my life. I wished I'd have been at church more faithfully. See, what the world does is try to distract you.
That's why Jesus is saying, what's it going to profit you if you get it all, but you lose your soul? Now, there are people here this morning that that's exactly what you're doing. You're letting everything else come before God. You're letting everything else come before prioritizing Him in your life. You're letting everything else come before His Lordship. Look at pastor. You don't need to do that. You need to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow Him. And that can start right now with a personal decision that you make public. That you go, you know what? I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I want my life to count. I want it to matter. So today, I'm going to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads all over this building. And as you bow your heads all over this building, I'm going to invite you in a moment. Ministers are going to come to this altar. And I'm going to invite you unashamedly in a moment to stand up and come to this altar. Some of you need to come and give your life to Jesus for the very first time. Some of you need to make a decision. I'm going to, get, I'm going to become a member of this church, and we'd love to have you. And some of you need to come to the altar and listen to me. You absolutely need to repent. And you need to tell Jesus, I'm sorry. Because I've let things of this world slip in that I shouldn't let slip in. You need to get to an old-fashioned altar, get on your knees. It ain't going to kill you. If you get down and can't get up, we'll help you up. But you need to humble yourself and say, God, I'm sorry. I want to come back to you. I want to get my life where it ought to be. And we're going to sing in just a moment. We're going to invite you to come. And when I invite you to stand, I want you to just come. And don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of what he's saying to you. You stand with courage and boldness and you come to Christ and you start all over again. And you give him your life and you sell out to him. Time is getting short. The devil's trying to distract you. God needs you. He needs you serving him unselfishly. So would you stand right now and let's come. You come to this altar. Let's make this a place that's active today. Will you come? As we sing together, you come. Have thine own way. Would you come today? Would you say, Lord, I'm going to do that? I'm going to come to that altar. I'm going to give you my life. Thou art the Sing it now. I am the My prayer is that you will do what? Mold me and make me after thy will. Come on, come on. While I am waiting. Come on, come on. This altar is waiting. God is waiting for you right here. Would you come? Would you come? Sing it. And have thine own way. Yes, Lord, that's my prayer. That's my prayer, way. Heavenly Father, is that you will have your way in my life. Search me and try God, would you search me? Would you try me today, Lord? Master, today. Master, I give you permission to do that today. Wider than snow, Lord. I love you. I want to search me just now. I surrender to you, Lord. As in thy presence, humbly.
that next. And have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Have your purpose, your plan, your way in my life. Wounded and weary. Yes. Help me, I pray. God, I need your help today. I need your help. Power of power. Yes, Lord. Surely is thine. Touch me and heal me. Savior divine. Amen. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? Would you do me a favor? Where you're standing, if there's an empty seat around you, anywhere around you, would you put your hand on that empty seat? If there's an empty seat anywhere around you, just put your hand on that empty seat. I believe that you believe, along with me, that we need a revival in America. Somebody needs to be sitting in that seat. One of your friends ought to be sitting in that seat. One of your family members ought to be sitting in that seat. One of your co-workers ought to be sitting in that seat. Let me ask you a question. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do you care enough about where they spend eternity that you would invite them to come to the house of God with you next Sunday? That you would say to your friend, your family member, your co-worker, I want you to come with me. I believe that in the day we live in, we live in a selfish Christian nation. That we have forgotten what God has told us to do. We're to go out in the highways and the hedges and we are to compel them to come. Every man, woman, boy and girl needs to hear the gospel. They need to hear those sermons. Father, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God, would you fill up the empty seats? God, would you bring men and women and boys and girls into this auditorium to hear the gospel? Lord, they're not going to hear it on television. They're not going to hear it in the streets. They're not going to hear it on the radio. They're not going to hear it out there with the media situations that we got going on. God, would you bring them into this house so that the man of God can preach the word of God to the people of God so that they can hear, God, that their lives will be changed. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you burden every church member of Eden Westside to be faithful, committed, and to be on task inviting others to come. We ask, Lord, that you would send revival in America and, God, that you would start here. Why not here? Why not now? In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen.